Everybody and welcome into the Nick State of Mind podcast. I'm Matt Castillo with Chip Murphy and Danny Small. And today's episode here, I mean, what when you think about the season so far, I think the big thing that has stood out about the Knicks is the late game execution. Uh, it, it has cost them down the stretch of some games. We've seen some sloppy turnovers. Uh, it, it seems like every single game has come down to the fourth quarter and how this team has been able to execute down the stretch. Uh, they lost last night's game. Uh, once again, the fourth quarter getting away from them after they fell behind by a whole lot of points in the third quarter to the Magic, as that third quarter was just awful. Uh, but they got back into it the fourth quarter. They had their opportunity right around five minutes. We've seen what we have seen from the Knicks. Bad turnovers, um, not able to hit outside shots, the big shots and the Magic eventually run away with the game. And, you know, on our NYK SOM podcast, uh, the Twitter handle that we have for the show, uh, we, we tweeted out something about the late game execution, and we had a lot of feedback from you, the fans, talking about um, how you think it's coaching. And that's kind of what we are going to talk about today. Is it coaching? Is it just the players? Is it a combination of both? And really, what's going on with this team down the stretch? And Chip, I'm going to start with you. When we talk about this this late game execution, where does your head go with it? Are you are you putting this more on the coach coaching staff, or or is it on the players here? What what are you what are your thoughts on this? Well, I put it more on Fizz, but I don't think the players should completely escape blame. Because there's a lot of vets involved in this. You know, you got Randall, Morris, uh, Peyton didn't play last night, but he's involved in it too. And those guys shouldn't escape blame because they've all been there before. But I do place the blame on Fizz. You know, when we discussed this topic, I went to the uh, trusty stats NBA page and looked into the uh, NBA clutch uh, tab. And it has uh, the Knicks stats in uh, games that have been decided by five points or less in the last five minutes. So I looked into uh, the Knicks plus minus because I think it said, what is it? Three of the Knicks games have been decided. Yeah, three. And they're, or no, four. And they're one and three in those games. So four of their games have been decided by that. And I looked into their plus minus in those games in the last five minutes, right? And their plus minus in the last five minutes of those games is a zero. Not not a positive number, not a negative number, just a zero. As in they've scored 22 points and allowed 22 points. (laughs) And if that isn't like the perfect example for this season so far, I don't know what the hell else is. Like, it's just crazy. And Danny was talking about before we came on, like the fourth quarter, and I was looking at the fourth quarter too, and I don't want to step on Danny's toes, but the fourth quarter stats are jarring. Like the, and it's super early. And I know I, I just had to look at the net rating in the fourth quarter because I'm obsessed with that advanced stats. So 
their their net rating is minus ten point seven. I had to like that stands out. I'm sorry, that really stands out. And I know the Rockets' net rating is really bad too. They're minus seven point two, but double digit negatives is bad. And yet the Raptors, like it's just weird. The Raptors are minus fourteen point four in the fourth quarter. And by the way, the Brook. By the way, I was looking at it and just to throw this out there. The Brooklyn Nets net rating in the fourth quarter, minus 18.6. That should tell you a lot about the Brooklyn Nets there. But, yeah, I I blame it on Fizz because he's supposed to be a player's coach, right? He's supposed to be bringing the team together. That's He's not known for being an X's and O's guy. He's supposed to be the guy who – and what, so what everyone says, let's give them time, let's give them time. I look at that like Fizz is supposed to be the guy who speeds things up. And I'm not saying like, oh, let's write them off after five games, whatever it is. I'm just saying it's hard for me to really blame the players more than the coach, even though, like I said, I think the players should get blamed too. When I think that the coach has been hailed as this Doc Rivers type who's going to come in and like heal the problems and all the issues that Julius Randle has been clearly having, shouldn't David Fisdale just go up and talk to him about it? Like, at the end of the Magic game, when Julius Randle takes that terrible ISO shot, and when he, and then they call a timeout, and he does it again. He ISOs from the top of the key right. again. It's like, that's, that's David Fisdale's fault. Right. Like, I, I just, I blame Fizz more than the players. I think, I think the slow start is on him more than the players. I really do. And Danny, um, your thoughts on this? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna cop out a little bit just because I think like a lot of times early on when there's so much turnover on teams, and I you guys have heard me say this before, but just continuity matters. It's tough to kind of figure out who fits where, who who can who plays well with who. Um, I think there's definitely you know there's definitely some blame to go to Fizdale because. They, you see, you know, you see Randall isoing from the top of the key a few times. You know, you see these plays that just, you know, make you scratch your head. And I think, you know, Fizdale's got to got to get on top of that kind of stuff. But I think it's also it's just it's tough to figure each other out after five games. And they, you know, they only play four preseason games. They, you know, they scaled back the preseason now. And you know, talking to Julius Randall before the the Bulls game, you know. Owen, whatever they were, you know, Owen three, they're, you know, it's almost like panic mode kind of from the fans and some of the media, I guess. But when you talk to Julius Randle, his thing was just, you know, we're not happy with the way we're playing. We want to play it better. Obviously we know we can improve, but like his, he was just kind of relaxed. Like let's not worry too much as time goes on, we'll figure out how to play with each other. Cause if you, I mean, if you, if you just look at the roster for the Knicks, it's all new guys for the most, or not all but you know like half a good say like half the team is new players um it's just going down the line you have barrett randall morris portis payton those are their three top minutes getters so far this season um at least minutes per game i know payton's missed a game um but you got those five guys all new kevin knox mitchell robinson uh alonzo trier next then you have wayne ellington I mean, like, it's just, it's a lot of new faces trying to figure out different things. If we're talking about this, you know, at the 15 game mark, at the 20 game mark, 
then I think we can start getting a little nervous. But so far, I'm going to just kind of, I'm going to say, uh, I'll give Fizz a little bit of a pass on this. Because on the, on the flip side, you know, you saw really good things against the Bulls. I mean, I was, I was there and the place was rocking. I mean, Bobby Portis, you would think they were about to hang his, you know, his jersey up in the rafters. Yeah. Julius Randle, like, I'm, I've been very critical of him so far because I don't think he's this, you know, I don't think he's this Draymond Green-esque type player who can, you know, run point forward and, and dribble the ball, like, so much and isolate and look for his teammates and find guys. I don't think that's necessarily his strong suit. But, I, like, on, against the Bulls, he, he did pretty well with it. I mean, he had turnovers early, but late down the stretch – he found Portis a few times. Um, he played, you know, pretty hard on defensive end. So I know it's a cop out, but I'm gonna say I'm gonna give equal blame to Fizz and the players because I think there's some individual stuff like the Randall isoing that makes you scratch your head and makes you want to pull your hair out. But at the same time, Fizz should be, you know, stepping in and saying, you know, maybe we should run something like a different action or maybe a dribble handoff up top with Barrett. There's different things like that. I think they got to kind of just get more familiar with one another. Maybe ISO from like the. Oh, sorry, Matt. I no, just wanted to say. Yeah, I just wanted to say real quick like maybe ISO from like the elbow or the post, mm-hmm. like AD's yeah. doing in LA. Yeah, like, like get, get, get like the guy said, the ball yeah. in the elbow. Yeah, just switch it up. Because, I mean, Chip, and I'm stealing this from your uh, Nick's film school uh, appearance mm-hmm. that you had last night, but you, you said oh, okay. it perfectly. Just, you know, how many times do you have to see, you know, Julius Randle, like, kind of isoing mm-hmm. from the top? I know sometimes he plays that bully ball and he gets in and gets a layup. But, you know, he shouldn't be isoing from the top on, you know, a team like the Magic, who are one of the best defensive teams in, in basketball. Jonathan Isaac, one of the best perimeter defenders in the league. Randle just kept knocking into him. <laughs> like, <laughs> like there was going to be something new on the next play. It was just bizarre. I, I, I didn't understand it. Right. And I actually got a little coming up on Randall here in a minute. And before I, I get into the question, I, wanna, I wanted to ask you, Chip, because uh, you, you put most of the blame on Fisdale here. And I was just yeah. curious what, what you thought about the rotation uh, that he's used so far, the guys that he's had on the floor during crunch time. Do you have a problem with some of the guys that he's put out on the floor during the fourth quarter during that five-minute crucial stretch here? Or do you think – no, those are the right players that are supposed to be on the floor. It's more of his, you know, things like you said, calling a timeout. you got to design some kind of play to get an easy basket. Yep, we see the same thing we just seen on the last possession. Is it more that? Well, I didn't have a problem with who was on the court in the fourth quarter uh, against Orlando. I thought he made some good calls there. But I do, in general, have some problems with Fizz's rotations. The fact that he wasn't playing Frank until he absolutely had to. Right, because DSJ wasn't available and Peyton right. wasn't available, I had a problem with. But I liked that. Uh, you know, I liked his fourth quarter rotations in the Orlando game. Uh, I think he's. We talked like John said. Uh, John, I just called Danny John. <laughs> um, That's a compliment, though. That's fine. yeah. <laughs> uh, me and Danny have talked about this about the Marcus Morris thing. Like it's like it. Seems like he's really, really relying on Marcus Morris, like uh, maybe too much. And it's getting to a point where Nick's Twitter is almost turning on Marcus Morris. 
and are part of Nick's Twitter in in a sense that they want Knox in the starting lineup now. I'm not sure if that's a good idea, but overall, at this moment, I'm not as low on Fizz's rotations as I am on his management of the game and the offense in general, if you can even call it that. Uh, and he did make, uh, in the Bulls game, he made some really smart decisions. I thought he adjusted well during the game, mm-hmm. which is uncharacteristic of him. But, yeah, his rotations in general, I don't think have been as bad as some people have. His biggest detractors have described them as. There's there's a, a fire fizz crowd on Twitter, which is surprising right. to me. And I'm not a fan this year anyway, but I wouldn't uh, put him out just yet. But I'd also say there's – look, I, I was reading Twitter the other day and someone said uh, – Coaches have room for improvement too, and Fizz is still—he you know, only coached in Memphis what, like a year and a half, not even. So there's still room for improvement for him too. He's got to get better, and hopefully he adjusts too. I mean, if not, then we're going to be looking for a new coach sometime soon. Right, and Danny, I kind of agree with you that I put it on both Coach Fizzdale and the players. You know, and some of my problems with Bizdale is exactly what Chip you said. With uh, you know, out of timeouts, the execution is terrible, and, and I'm so glad you said that because I remember screaming at the television last night uh, of we just did that. That's what we call the timeout, and that's what we get. That is so frustrating. That has to improve there. The rotation, I didn't understand the first few games. Even I didn't. Why we're not giving Frank any minutes. It's not like Dennis Smith Jr., who I'm very high on, and that's who I thought we should have He didn't do anything right now. He's not productive. So what took so long to get Frank in that these guys are just not available? Don't understand that. I've had a problem with that. I wanted to see him out there. I want to see him get that consistent playing time because that's probably what is going to happen in order for him to develop. He's not going to be able to do these things in practice. He needs to be out there and play. And, you know, also, I think for the most part, defensively, he's done the job that I expect him to do defensively. Offensively, still, it's still work in progress. Like the shot selection, though, I don't see him forcing up a whole lot. Um, so I wanted to see Frank play, and I, and I think you got to find a way to get him some minutes here. But other than that, I haven't had an issue with the rotation side. Now, a couple of weeks ago when we did our preview show and we were talking about what kind of season this is going to be for the Knicks, I said this, guys, we have a young team. Even some of these veteran guys that have been in the league for a few years are still young. Julius Randle's like 25, 26, might be younger. I don't even know his age, but he's still young. That's the point. And when you have that, this was very easy to see. A lot of depth, a lot of skilled, talented players on this team that are going to make this team more competitive than what we have seen in the recent years, especially last year when we had nobody that was really going to make this team competitive. We weren't in a whole lot of ball games. This year, I expect to be there. I expect to be there in the final five minutes down the stretch. But the one thing that I said is, guys, we are a young team. And what happens with that is that you don't have that process down of learning how to close out games, how to win a game. 
And that really is a true thing. That is something that a lot of people just don't see it and don't even think about it. But learning how to win is a process. And it's something that takes time for young players. And the way that this season has gone is basically the way I've seen it happening. They're going to be right there, but they're just not able to execute down the stretch and make enough plays to win games. You think of the Brooklyn game. They had that one in the bag. They were up two or three points, got three stops in a row. And then they just needed one more bucket to close the game out. They couldn't get it. Why? Because they were taking hero three-pointers up. They were panicking. They didn't get anything towards the rim. Nothing. They were trying to hit that, that, that hero dagger shot. And that's just a sign of a young, immature team that has no idea how to execute down the stretch of a ball game. It's frustrating. And you're thinking, when the heck are they going to finally learn this? It's going to be like this all season. It's going to be very, very frustrating to see them have these games kind of slip away. So, yes, coaching has a, has a role in that. You've got to put these guys in position and, and find ways to make it a little easier to execute. But at the same time, people like Julius Randle, you've got to hold on to the dang basketball. How many times have we seen him attack the basket, which I appreciate the fact that he's at least trying to attack the basket. But how many times have we seen him lose the basket? or lose the basketball around the rim, and it hit off his leg and go out of bounds. Those, those killer turnovers. I've counted it at least 13 times that I've seen. And what I was going to say about Julius Randle is I know what move he's going to do every single time. He drives to the basket, and guess what? Then he spins. That's all he does. You get you could do that once or twice, and you're going to score. But don't you think the defense is going to catch on that once you get inside the lane, you're going to spin, and they're going to jump that? And that's one reason why he's losing the basketball, because it's too predictable. It's just really frustrating. They see these things over and over and over again. But, guys, I think it's going to continue to happen. I think this is going to be the way it is all season long, that we are going to continue to see them fail down the stretch. It's just a process of these young guys, and they're going to have to go through it. You know, Chip, I think you said it a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about going up against some of these other teams. The problem is the other team usually has the best player that's on the floor. The Knicks don't have that guy. And that's how you win in the final two minutes of the game. When you have that guy that's going to say, it's my game, I'm going to take it over, and I'm going to close it out. Right now, I don't know who that is. We won against the Bulls because Bobby Portis had the game of his life. Do you think that's going to happen every single night? <laughs> no. Wouldn't, I wouldn't count on it. No. 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 Bobby Portis is not going to turn into this monster that buries threes left and right to close out ballgames. It's not going to happen. I mean, it was cool to see, but it's just not going to happen. We don't always have the best player on the floor, and we are going to lose a lot of games like this, and it's going to suck. But hopefully these guys can learn from it. Hopefully this coaching staff can make adjustments to try to make it a little bit easier. And, and where I want to go with this next is really another trend that we have seen with this team so far this season. Guys, it seems like every single game, they put themselves in a large deficit having to come from behind. It doesn't matter if it starts off that way, like the Bulls game. The Bulls game, they were down 15, mm. 18 points, right? You know, they, they blew a lead to San Antonio, and the lead grew for them. They had to fight their way back. We just mentioned the Orlando Magic game last night. They were down 13, 15 points in the third quarter after being up two to start the half. They got away from them. What I'm, what I'm going with here, Danny, I'm going to ask you, is is that on the coaching staff, that there always seems to be something that, that this team has to come from behind, that they're not able to, A, 
hold on to the lead if they grow a little bit of a cushion and or b you know they're letting these games kind of get away from a little bit where then they have to play catch up for most of the time do you blame the coaching staff for that that we're falling behind in a lot of these games because you can't come back and win them all you're not always going to keep coming back when you're down 15 18 points every single night is that on the coaching staff Dana? Uh, I think a, I think a decent portion of that is on the coaching staff. I mean, just thinking back to the season opener, I mean, they went with kind of an interesting starting lineup that I think a lot of people were questioning. And you know, they come out and they were they were flat, didn't really have it. I mean, they ended up you know being in that San Antonio game in the fourth quarter until you know, like we said, they got kind of blown out at the end. But I think there's been some interesting you know kind of ways that they start off games with their lineups. I know it hasn't been easy because there's a lot of, you know, there's been injuries. Now you have, you know, Dennis Smith Jr. is away for the team for personal reasons. So there's been some issues that Fizdale's got to work with. But I, I think it's just, it is kind of that, that is on the coaching staff because you can't let things kind of get out of hand. And I guess, you know what, I mean, I'm, I'm talking myself through it now. Like Fisdale, you know, in that third quarter, he did call two quick timeouts to try and, you know, shut down that Orlando run, which, you know, I, I commend him for, for kind of trying to put out the fire before it starts almost. But, it, you know, when you call that timeout, you got to come out from the timeout and play better. You know, you can't, can't just call the timeout just, you know, for the sake of calling the timeout. You got to say, all right, you know, this is what's going on. This is what the Magic are doing right now. This is, what, this is how we're going to stop them. And... I mean, it's tough with a young team, you know, or a, like a mix, you know, of new guys, young players. It's all, it's kind of tough to, to make that all work right away. But I think there's definitely something to be said for, you know, for coming out of timeouts, maybe not, not getting buckets, you know, when you, when you really need a bucket and you want to draw up like a, a play to get an easy deuce or something like that inside. I don't think the Knicks are actually, I don't think they're that great at that yet. I don't think Fizdale's that great at that yet, but I mean, like going back to what Chip said earlier, you know, coaches improve as time goes on too. I think we got to give we got to give Fizz a little bit of uh, space on this because I mean, how many times Knicks fans said in the last, you know, since basically Scott Perry was hired, we'll be patient if there's, you know, if there's a plan in place. Knicks fans are patient. This all we're not impatient. That's just media narrative. That's just media spin. We're five games into the season, and fans are already saying, Fizdale sucks, get rid of him, we've had enough, it's <laughs> awful. Like, you know, it's, it's like, are you actually patient, or you just say right. that until, you know, there's a little bit of adversity? Um, so, I mean, yeah, I think there's definitely a lot of blame that goes to the coaching staff for a lot of different things, but I just, I, I don't want to, like Chip and I have talked about it, we, we don't want to overreact too much to, you know, these early games, but there's definitely things you can file away and say, you know, if that's still there, you know, in 10, 15 games, we can start to not hit the panic button necessarily, but you can start to, you know, start questioning some things. And Chip, you, you kind of, with the, the execution down the stretch, put most of the blame on Fizdale. You kind of talked about this a little bit here. And this is something that I've seen a lot too, as well with already the, mumblings of firing Fizdale. You, you, you mentioned it a little bit. You didn't go into it a whole lot. What are, what are your thoughts about those fans that are saying already fire Fizdale? You're not there yet, are you? Right? You're, you're not, you don't see it as a rational way of thinking, right? No. Five games now. Right. Now that's 
that's fucking crazy. <laughs> I <Yeah>. mean, that's <laughs> you do something like that if you have championship aspirations, right? Yeah, and you're like, mm-hmm. and you fire your coach if you after ten games if you start out like zero and ten or something like that. You know, like, and if you do something like this. Like you fire Fizz after five games and you're you're one and four, then everybody's like, every agent is going to be like, oh, the the Knicks are still the Knicks. They're still doing things right. like firing their coach five games into a season when he has a crummy roster and he hasn't been able to even prove himself yet. And the whole league thinks that Fizz is a genius. They all love him because LeBron loves him. So if the Knicks fire Fizz in this manner, it would be a PR, another PR disaster right. for them. Because yeah. he obviously wouldn't go easy on them. And LeBron would kill them. D-Wade would kill them. It would be a disaster for them. Yeah, and I think, again, that it's this, this mindset that I think this team obviously improved having a whole lot more talent this year than they did last year. And you look at the Eastern Conference and and you start to get that mindset, well, it's weak, so we should be right there competing for a playoff spot. You kind of get those kind of expectations. And the main thing that I'm arguing here is, again, with this young team, there's a process that just has to be learned. And I, that's why, if you ask me honestly, do I put more blame? If you ask me where do I would put the majority of the blame, I'm just putting it more on the players than I do Fisdale right now because I just think it's a young team. I don't, I don't think it matters who the coach is, guys. I think it's just the process that goes in. Yeah, you can get a guy in there that could probably help out more, but I think at this, ta- at this point where the Knicks at right now, I don't know, and, and you guys could totally disagree with me on this, but – I don't know if there's a coach that would come in and make this team, in a blink of an eye, turn it on like that. There's a process that these guys have to go through. It's part of their development. And I think Fisdale has that working against him. No, I'm not saying Fisdale's perfect. I'm not saying that he hasn't done things that makes me scratch my head at times. I'm not saying that he should just get a, a complete pass here. But I'm not I, – I, a lot of the criticism, if you, in my opinion – if you sit back and think about it, I think it's just a part of the process with this young guys trying to develop. I think it gets you. I, I don't know if you guys agree with me and see it that way. Maybe I'm being a little a, a little too lenient on Fizdale and giving him the the young roster excuse here. I, you know, that's just what I feel. I think these guys are just going through a process, and there's there's things that you would like for the coaching staff to do to kind of help them make it easier, make execution a little bit better. But at the end of the day, it's going to fall down to those five guys that are on the court. That's just the way I see it. I don't know if you guys you guys could jump in and tell me. No, nah, I totally I, disagree. I, no, I, I, I agree with you. And, you know, I think you, you kind of brought this – well, actually, I'm, I'll start somewhere else. I'll get to a different point later. But um, with Fisdale, like if, if you fire him midseason, like Chip said, there's it's a PR nightmare. Knicks are the Knicks, LOL, Knicks, they suck, da, 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 all that. But the other thing is, what, I mean, you don't gain anything by firing Fizdale. You're not going to go out and sign, you know, the best coach on the free agent market 
during the season to come in and take over. You're going to have, you know, Keith Smart or Judd Bushler take over, and then you're just going to kind of have a season where everyone's kind of in limbo going, you know, what's go- what's the deal next year? Who's going to be coaching the team? I think no matter what, uh, even, uh, I mean, obviously, you don't want them to win, you know, 17 games again. But I, I really can't see a scenario where Fisdale gets fired Midseason, I no, think the front, yeah. the front, the front office understands kind of where this team is at. They still have a long way to go. I can't see that happening. And I'd even be, I still, I mean, even if they have, you know, a twenty-win season, I still would be kind of surprised if they moved on from Fisdale after the year because right. it's gonna. I mean, it's just when you have this kind of roster turnover, it's not easy on a coach to to make all the pieces fit. Plus. When they're at full strength, he's got tough decisions to make in terms of, you know, who's in the lineup, who, you know, who should be the backup point guard, who should be, you know, the backup shooting guard. Wayne Ellington has, has fell out of the rotation there for, you know, for a hot second. Now he's starting again. He's still trying to figure things out. Um, and, I, yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm firmly, like, I, I have questions about Fisdale. I don't always agree with everything he does, but I'm firmly in the camp of, you know, he, he deserves at least – the end of the season and probably a decent amount more than that. Um, who's more I mean, likely, who's more likely. Oh, sorry, Danny, were you still gone? I'm sorry. No, I was, I was kind of, I was kind of trailing off there. Um, yeah, I was, I, I'm just, I would be so shocked if he gets let go mid season. No, I was just going to say like, who's more likely to be fired at the end of their season, David Fisdale or Adam Gase? <laughs> uh, I would say Gates. If we're, yeah, yeah, that's a great we're, question, but it should be uh, Gates. That, I'm, I'd say Gates. I can't he, defend but, him at all. I, I know him. I know him and Douglas have said they're they're uh, they like they in, they're fine working with each other. But Douglas didn't hire Gates. You know, yeah. he came after Gates. I think Fisdale and Fisdale Perry and Mills are kind of they seem like a tight knit unit. You know, more or less. I thought Gase and Douglas were close, though, aren't they? That's, I mean, that's that's part of it. They said, you know, they wanted to work together. They liked each other. I think I forget that maybe in Chicago they worked together, but uh, but still, I mean, you never know. At the end of the season, they could they could move on. But the other thing, Gase is Gase is not as good with the media as Fizdale. Fizdale, no, he's a disaster with the media. I mean, Fizdale, I don't always agree with the stuff he says. I think he he has like the thing with Frank not starting. I didn't agree with him there with Jesus his reasoning, Christ. at least. Like, I don't always agree with what Fisdale says, but like, I can tell you firsthand, like, he's a charming guy. Like, like it's, you know, mm-hmm. you get in that media room, he's talking to people, like, he's a good guy. I think Gase is not that I've ever, you know, I've been in the media room when Gase is answering questions or anything like that, but it doesn't seem like the same kind of uh, media savvy guy that kind of uh, fits New York, which. I yeah. think in terms of that, you know, being savvy with the media, you know, keeping it a little chummy with the beat reporters, I think Fisdale is is at least, you know, pretty pretty good in that regard. Yeah, I, I that's just, a good I point. I hope it's Gase. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that if if that's the case, yeah, I think I, I'd I'd I'll vote for the Gase Dolphins this week. I don't. I, oh. I, I'm just I'm just that's, gonna lose it. This yeah. is gonna turn oh to a jet podcast. Yeah, this is this is. <laughs> Jet State of Mind podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I might need that just to vent. I haven't had to vent too much about this Nick team. It's kind of what what I expected so far this year. But you know, I, I have seen a lot of talk about moving on from a course. You know, anytime right now. And 
we talked about this before, Chip, several times. But there's that always that that old school Mark Jackson's available type type you know discussion, which <laughs> which I, like a few years ago I was on board, you know. But the, and we talked about this not too long ago, Chip, where we were saying, you know, now when you sit back and you think about it, don't know if that's really going to be the best fit. You know what I mean? Like it, it, there's so many different question marks that comes up with them, but. I've seen that a couple of times, and I just had to throw that in there because I know how you would react to that trip if you've seen another Mark Jackson to the Knicks uh, headline. Christ. <laughs> yeah. and, and pun intended when I say Jesus Christ in regards to Mark Jackson, too. My God. I, I just I want, I want no part of it. Like, yeah. I, there's a, everybody talks about how he's being blackballed from the league or whatever. There's a reason he hasn't been hired, man. People don't like him. People just don't like him. I, I think he's what he had in Golden State, and, and, and there was just no adjustments with that offense, and, and that team didn't take off until he was gone. Yeah, you know, you people could say Steve Kerr walked into this dream job of having some of those players. Well, Mark Jackson had it, uh, and, and they they weren't they weren't that same team that just ran up and down the floor and shot threes. So you know, that's over the years. Again, when the, when the rumors started and Mark Jackson was available, I was all for it. But when you actually think about it and go through it, I, I, I kind of, man, he's off my list. He's been off my list for a while as well. But, I, again, I don't think Fizdale's going anywhere. I think he has some time. I think his leash is pretty long because, Chip, you said it best. Championship aspiration teams would be making a drastic move like this if, if something got off to a slow start. The Knicks are not in that that anywhere near that phase. They're just not. And when you don't have that, you have a little bit of a long leash here. The Knicks are purely in a developmental stage. But they're young guys. They're trying to get these guys to uh, you know, take a next step, appeal to big free agents that become free agents in the next few years because that's the only way you're going to get them. Uh, you're not you're not going to lure them in with just having hundreds of million dollars. It just doesn't work anymore. You need to have some kind of support and cast. Developing these guys are the most important thing. Whether is that is it the right thing though for Fizdale? Is Fizdale the right fit to develop these guys? That could be another topic for another day. I for me right now don't know the answer to that. I don't know if you guys think in the terms of having the right guy to develop. These young players, are you confident in Fisdale right now? Or are you kind of with me where you don't necessarily know yet? You're still trying to figure that out yourself. So I don't know. I don't know. I think, I I think yeah, I think I think we'll see we'll see that over time because it's I mean, it's so hard to judge him based off of last year because last year was just a shit show, yeah. you know, almost start to finish. I mean, there were injuries. You had the Porzingis trade, which took a lot of, you know, a lot of attention. Right. You know, there's just a lot of things going on. I think it's hard to uh hard to to completely judge him off of that but one thing i will say just i think i mean the chicago win as dumb as it sounds you're beating another kind of crummy team it, i think that bought him that bought the knicks a little bit of a little bit of credit from the fans because hey there's a really really nice win at madison square garden um you know you bobby portis chance the crowd is going bonkers for frank nilakina fizdale made some nice adjustments in that game i think you know bringing Frank in for his defense and then kind of like riding him a little bit. I know Peyton got hurt, which made it so Fizdale had to ride him. But but like I think Fizdale made some good adjustments. They played well down the stretch. 
I mean, if it's 0-5 right now, I think you'd have some Knicks fans with some clammy hands. But th- I think that that Bulls win kind of kind of helped helped everyone just go, okay, you know, this team is not great, but they're going to win some they're games. They're gonna, they're, yeah, they're, they're competitive. They're going to fight. Yeah. I mean, you know, like they other than the Boston game where they really just oh like, they were awful. They really just like and that was like early in the fourth quarter. They just gave in. Other than that, they really have been in most games down the stretch until the end. Um, and then that Chicago one, I mean, you see, you know, they beat Chicago. They lose to Boston, Brooklyn, the Spurs, and, and the Magic. Four playoff teams from last year. Those, those are, you know, those are tough games. I don't, uh, you guys know I don't have the Spurs in the playoffs this year. Magic and Brooklyn, Boston, we'll see how good they actually are. But those are, those are tough teams. I mean, you know, you beat the one non-playoff team that you played. You can kind of live with that. I mean, that, as as stupid as it is, that game was fun enough to kind of buy him a little uh, little breathing room to say we're not we're not completely awful. Yeah, I, I think once again we're we're there in every single game. We're we're actually getting the talk about execution down the final five minutes, two minutes, what whatever. That means we're in the game. It's not a twenty point game like we seen last year, and it was like, oh God, we'll just see one of these young players show some kind of life and some kind of. That's what last season was. Dotson had a little bit of a stretch, three or four games where he he shot lights out. That was exciting, and then he went. You know, he's a little inconsistent, but things like that. That's what we looked for last year. Was okay. This young guy did something. That guy young. That young guy mm-hmm. did something. That, that's that's what the season was. So far this year, we are at least right there. Other than the Boston game, we are right there. And I think that's all we can ask for. From from here, let's just see the development of these players, of the coaching staff as well, of finding a way to start turning around some of these close losses into wins. That's, I mean, honestly, and I know it sounds crazy because we're losing these games and it sucks and it's frustrating. I'm just thankful we're in it. You know, and I, I, I'm encouraged to see that they're in these games. Yes, I want to win them. Yes, I want to see some of these young guys start stepping up. Yes, I want to see Randall start stepping up. Why? He's our main player. He's our best player. The ball's going to be in his hands. Do something with it. That's that's the reality of it. Um, you know, Portis is not going to light it up down the stretch of every single game. You know, we need other guys to do that. And we're there. Let's just find a way to win these games. And – that's all we can kind of ask for. At least we're not getting blown out by 30 just looking at the 13th player on the bench come into the game. And, yeah, he did something. Cool. Yeah. I think that, that's happened That's happened a couple I, – I mean, once Porzingis went down, that was kind of the rest of the season. Right. And then last year for, you know, probably 90, 95% of the season last year, it was like, all right, what are we seeing? Oh, Kevin Knox had a good game? That's great. Right. And it's like, well, they, they lost by 30. And it's like, well, I was only really watching for – Kevin Knox and Mitchell Robinson. Seriously, like, yeah. I think I, you don't. You obviously don't want that this year. Right. And I think so. Fa- so far, doesn't look like it's going to devolve into you know that kind of season. Obviously, we'll see as time goes on. But but it looks like they're at least you know they're at least going to be competitive, play tough at home. Knock on wood. Hopefully, you know with I mean all the talk they've had. If they just go you know nine and thirty two again at home, then yeah. I think there's some yeah. there's some serious yeah. criticism there. But, hey, they're one and one at home right now. Yeah, and last year I was constantly asked, why do you still watch this team? And that, that, that was my answer. I just want to see a young guy do something and give me some hope. That's what I look for. 
This year, completely different. Now I'm looking to see. We're going to be in the game. Fourth quarter is going to be tight. Last night's game against the Magic, it, it got away from us. About three minutes left. That, that sucked. It was, it, it was frustrating. The turnovers, they're still haunting me. I still can't sleep over them. I mean, that's just, that's just the way it is. But that's what I'm looking for. I know we're going to lose a lot of these games. I expect to lose a lot of these games, but I want to see the execution get better and go, you know what, this game, you know, they just hit one more shot than us. We didn't just turn over the basketball. We didn't, we didn't have a strong offensive set or got a good look off. You know, right now it's kind of uh, two minutes left and we're seeing a one-on-one hero shot. That's the execution I don't want to see. So at least it's something more exciting to look forward to and get, you know, something like we're in this game. Let's see if we can get a good shot off here. You know, I can live with losing right now if, if they hit one more shot than us. I know that sounds crazy, and everybody's saying, what, you want to lose? That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that you want to see these guys execute better the final five minutes of the game. And if it just happens that they're a better player, because, again, that's the problem. These other teams have a superstar player that's already established and have the best player on the floor. If we just happen to lose a game, I could live with it. I mean, you look at that Brooklyn game I talk about. Kyrie hit two ridiculous shots. You sometimes just have to tip your hat to him. I mean, that's just a great player hitting some shots. However, at the same time, we did get three stops in a row with a two-point lead and just did not make another shot. That right there is what I want to see. Make another shot. Put pressure on them. Don't turn over the basketball. See if we can win a game that way. Those are the things I'm looking for. But that's all I got for tonight. Anybody got some finishing closing thoughts? Uh, I'll just I'll say one thing about Randall because I I meant to pepper this in before and I it just slipped my mind. Um, he did mention, and I know I, I'm critical of him. We've we've all been kind of critical of him. He did say that you know he's still getting used to being the guy. He's like you know it's not easy to play in the NBA and get doubles sent your way all the time. And this is something you know he's never dealt with you know, consistent double teams and guys, you know, keying in on him. So I think, you know, as the season goes on, we might see him improve um, in that regard. I don't know if I'm completely sold on him as this point forward guy. Um, I'm very skeptical of that. But at least, you know, from his, uh, his point of view, he's saying, you know, he hasn't done that since college, you know, at pretty much that was the last time he was, you know, the guy where he was getting all those doubles. Um, and I, Randall's pretty accountable. He, he won't blow smoke up your butt and say, oh, I had 16 and 10. I'm playing great. So let's, we'll see what he does. I mean, he's saying all the right things so far. Uh, I don't want people to think I'm, I'm, you know, piling on and Julius, I think Julius Randall's terrible because that's not the case. Um, I just think he's not playing at his best right now. Uh, I agree with you. I, I think, I think I'm spot on because sometimes when you say something negative, again, yeah. I say it all the I say something about Frank and people think I hate Frank and I, I just want him to fail. And I, I can't tell people all the time. That's just not the truth. I'm just saying what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. He's not hitting that open shot. That's, that's, that's reality. Do I want him to hit that open shot? Yes, because I like to do this thing called winning. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty fun. If he hits some shots, we would win. Just, I, I don't know. That, that's just me. But that's all I got. Uh, and Chip, you got any closing thoughts before I close it out? Yeah, just a quick thing on Mitch. Uh, I'm even more concerned about his fouling, I guess, because yep. 
it's even worse, it feels like, this year. I mean, he's only playing – he's playing less than 20 minutes a game, which is what he was playing last year, and he has more fouls than blocks right. so far. Mm. He's, he's got a good number of blocks. He's averaging almost seven blocks uh, – seven fouls, sorry, per 36 minutes. I, I mean, yeah. it's There's a problem. Reaching in – it's just dumb. Yeah, it, it's, it's just dumb to. stuff. Stuff far away from the basket, right. too. I think you. Saw, I, I don't know. Kyrie, Kyrie got him a few times. Yeah, you, know, you saw him like getting that one on one with Kyrie, and Kyrie, you could mm. tell he just he's like, oh, okay, yeah. here we go, here we go. All right, so that's all the time we have. Thank you for listening to the Nick State of Mind podcast. We'll be back next week.